from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, thanks for tuning in for this Tuesday edition of Washington Watch. Always glad to have you join us. Well, coming up, House Republicans wrapped up their issues retreat in Orlando, Florida today. One issue that was prominent in today's discussion was this. I just signed this veto because the legislation passed by the Congress would put at risk the retirement savings of individuals across the country. They couldn't take into consideration investments that wouldn't be impacted by climate, impacted by overpaying executives, and that's why I decided to veto it. It makes sense to veto it. That was President Biden yesterday explaining his veto of a measure that would have banned government from considering ESG standards when making investment decisions regarding employees' retirement plans. Now, we're going to get the latest on this from North Carolina Congressman Rich McCormick in just a moment. A topic the media wanted to talk about when Republicans invited the press in was the potential pending indictment of President Trump. But I can tell you from my experience... If the defendant wasn't Donald Trump, this wouldn't be brought by a DA. Uh, that, that's just the truth. So I think we, un- we understand unfairness, we understand politicization, and we're going to continue to work forward and deal with that. That was North Dakota Congressman Kelly Armstrong earlier today saying it's all about politics. Well, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy cut to the chase on the issue when the media kept asking about President Biden being indicted. I think in your heart of hearts, you know, too, that you think this is just political. And I think that's what the rest of the country thinks, and we're kind of tired of that. And he went on to talk about he's tired about uh, the media making this the issue when they were there in Florida to talk about other matters. Well, Andy McCarthy, a former assistant U.S. attorney and now a fellow at the National Review Institute, will join us for that conversation a little bit later. And opponents of a SAFE Act-type bill in Nebraska that would protect minors from transgender mutilation are filibustering the bill. They are wildly lashing out, claiming that supporters of this bill that would protect minors are perpetrating genocide. I definitely was not planning to speak today. Um, I'm not participating in this filibuster. But when we have things set on the floor that rise to such a level of ignorance that I consider it to be dangerous, we need to call it out as a body. Senator Kavanaugh got on the mic and said, quote, this body is attempting to perpetrate a genocide and then compared the actions of Senator Kauth and anybody who thinks we should be protecting girls' sports or preventing children from gender mutilating surgeries to Nazis. That was a supporter of the measure, Senator Julie Slomoth, pushing back pushing back on the reckless rhetoric. Now, we're going to talk with the author of the bill, Nebraska Senator Kathleen Kalth, a little bit later here on Washington Watch. Now, Missouri is also a state that's moving to protect children. In fact, there's uh, about 87 different bills moving through state legislatures uh, this year designed to protect children from this transgender uh, agenda. Well, the state of Missouri as I mentioned, is moving a bill forward. But the attorney general in the show me state is taking steps now to protect children until a law can go into effect. Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey joins us here later to explain. The website, TonyPerkins.com, lots of resources there for you. It's also a place to direct your friends if they don't have access to one of the 800 stations that plays Washington Watch. They can go right there and watch the whole program at TonyPerkins.com. 
Our word for today comes from Lamentations chapter 1, where the prophet Jeremiah is lamenting over the ruins of Jerusalem that had been destroyed and then burned by the Babylonian army. For these things I weep, my eyes flow with tears, for a comforter is far from me, one to revive my spirit, my children are desolate, for the enemy has prevailed. He continues to say, the Lord is in the right, for I have rebelled against his word. But hear all you peoples and see my suffering. My young women and my young men have gone into captivity. You see, the distractions and the competing interest were now all gone. The reality of their sin had set in. They had neglected the things that mattered. Oh, how powerful it would be to live with this understanding of God's truth that would inculcate us from that which leads to this destruction rather than to discover it as we sift through the ashes of our lives. To join us in this Bible reading plan, go to TonyPerkins.com. President Biden issued the first veto of his presidency yesterday and reminded observers that he and his administration are more committed to the social agendas of the left than to the working American families. The legislation the president vetoed would have overturned a retirement investment rule that allows managers of retirement funds to consider the agenda of the left, such as climate change and other environmental, social, and governance considerations, often called ESG, when picking investments. This comes instead of focusing on what is profitable and brings a good return on the investments of the retirees. In a video released on Twitter, the president claimed his bill would do the opposite of what it does, saying the legislation he vetoed would put retirement savings at risk. I mean, do the American people recognize this for what it is? It's a lie. It's deception. Joining me now to discuss this and more is Congressman Rich McCormick. He serves on the House Armed Services Committee, the House Foreign Affairs Committee, and the House Committee on Science, Space, and Technology. He represents the 6th Congressional District of Georgia. Congressman uh, McCormick, welcome to Washington Watch. Thanks. Good to be with you today. So your thoughts on the president choosing uh, this as the first bill that he would veto? Uh, first of all, you're absolutely correct. It is a bold-faced lie. It's not even a little bit of a lie. Uh, the way he spins this to, to act like he's the good guy, to act like he's looking out for people, to act like we're doing something outrageous instead of him, uh, is about as warped as you can get in politics. Quite frankly, we just wanted the same fair stick we've had forever, which is when you invest in something for your retirement that you'll have the safest, most profitable outcome so you don't have to rely on the government. He's doing just the opposite about as a matter of fact, when he said we're going to fight against those rich CEOs, who do you think are actually benefiting from when the government decides who the winners and losers are? Who do you think is donating to the Democratic campaigns, these same woke programs that he's directing these funds towards? This is a direct uh, conflict of interest. I think uh, we've seen in the past when Obama did the same kind of investments with government money into the same kind of programs and several women went bankrupt with our money. It is a bad investment. You should always go with what's safest and most beneficial to those people who are going to be retiring soon. And this is a slap in the face to all those investors. Now, there, there were actually a few Democrats that joined in supporting this measure that went to the president, but certainly not enough uh, to override the president's veto. Are there next steps that have been discussed? That's a good question. First of all, when you have a bipartisan bill, really, which is what it was, and it passed both the House and the Senate, and you have nothing but lies coming out. First of all, we have to expose it. We have to get the public opinion more on our side. We have to call it the facts. They like to always pretend like they have science on their side. Clearly, that's not the case. 
uh, we just had, you were just talking about mutilation of, of girls and how uh, we are being compared to the bad guys, to the Nazis. Are you kidding me? Uh, the fact that the Jewish population isn't absolutely outraged by these statements uh, is beyond me. I, I think we have lost reality. We've, uh, we, we're cheering for teams rather than cheering for what's right. And we need to get back to that. This should be an alarming trend in politics. Uh, they continue to call us liars where they lie. They continue to blame us for the things that they cause. Uh, we need to continue to educate the public. Congressman, I have to say, I'm, I'm pretty encouraged by the fight that I see among Republicans to push back on this false narrative and to call out the president and others who are, uh, frankly, I mean, I, I, I try to be as charitable as I possibly can, but the president is saying by not, uh, by telling these investment firms not to look at you know, climate change and all of these other things, that that is somehow putting these investments at risk. We know it's the opposite. So I think it's right to challenge the president on those things. But let me ask you, kind of generally speaking, as you come out of your issues summit there in Orlando, Florida, uh, your sense of uh, as as a a clearer focus on priorities moving forward developed as a result? Absolutely. First of all, we understand that we want to secure America's future by growing the economy, by deregulating, uh, making sure you're not taxed to death, make sure that you have control of your own destiny, making sure that our border is secured so that we don't have record amount of fentanyl and child trafficking and uh, disease coming across and crime coming across the border. Uh, I'm an ER doctor. I'm telling you I, what I've seen in the ER from fentanyl overdoses to, to just illegal immigration's burden on the medical system itself. Uh, is egregious and it hasn't been addressed at all. It's not fairly handled. Uh, we need to secure our border. We need to secure our economy. We need to make sure that energy is affordable and plentiful, that we become a producer rather than a consumer. All these things are first and foremost on everybody's mind, not just politicians, but the people. And that's why we're winning these arguments right now. Um, I, I know that everybody's kind of scattered back to their homes uh, after this issue um, conference ended up. And I, I don't want to thank you for taking time to uh, to join us and talk about it as you make your way back to Georgia. But I, I, I want to get a sense for how strong Republicans are going to be prepared in the wake of the, the banking issues that have come to the surface because of the spending, because of the inflation that has resulted from that. How hard do you think Republicans are going to fight as we go into the debt ceiling debate and as we go into the appropriations process? I think we understand that there's no more important fight on our minds uh, than the debt ceiling, which directly relates to what we're going to have to pay for our children, uh, what our children are going to have to pay for our sins, which is overspending. When the when the deficit spending ends up in interest payments we cannot afford, when it consumes our entire budget, we're done as a nation, and we have to avoid that at all costs. We're trying to be bipartisan, trying to bring in Democrats and say, what is your idea? It can't be just tax. We cannot tax our way out of this. You can tax every billionaire 100% of their income and still not make it out of this. As a matter of fact, not even come close. We have to grow the economy. That doesn't mean by taxing. Uh, we have to make sure that we tamp down our spending because we know there's a good cause for spending no matter what it is. Uh, they keep on coming up with more. If, if we gave every single spending item they wanted this year, they'd be back with twice as much next year. There's always a reason to spend money to buy more votes for the Democrat Party. We need to resist that with all our might, and I think the fighting spirit is ready. You know, again, I, I want to say after observing this process for about 20 years, I do think we're at a point where we've got uh, solid Republican leadership in the House. We've got a strong conservative majority among Republicans that I think are ready for that fight, uh, you know, as a uh, as as a Marine, I'm certain 
you're not going to run from a fight. Let me ask you uh, this question, final question for you, uh, Congressman. Any surprises uh, in your gathering that uh, came to the surface during uh, your couple days together? I think it's great to see that we have a united party right now. I know we have a slim majority, but we seem to be bringing the right bills to the table. Um, I think when you look at the focus of the party as a whole, uh, we've got it right. we got the rules right. I think we have uh, leadership sorted out. I think our committees are humming along, and I think we're going to hold some people accountable. Uh, I was literally just calling for somebody to get after these people. Mayorkas needs to be impeached, in my opinion. I, I think we need to make sure that now we're not bailing out banks uh, that are that are literally paying out to Chinese corporations. We're going to expose that right now. I want to make sure that we're not spending taxpayers' money or even FDIC money where they came from banks, which ultimately comes from us, on Chinese investments or woke investments, things that are working against the American people. Uh, we need to be smart. We need to be... Uh, continually holding each other accountable and pick the right fights. Well, Congressman McCormick, I again want to thank you for uh, taking time, pulling off the side of the road to join us as you're making your way back to, uh, to Georgia and uh, want to thank you for fighting for the things that matter there on Capitol Hill, faith, family, and, uh, and freedom, and uh, simplify. Hoorah, simplify. All right, Congressman McCormick of uh, Georgia. I mentioned at the top of the program uh, incorrectly, North Carolina is Georgia. So, again, we've got a lot of good men and women on Capitol Hill that are there for the right reasons, to do the right things. They could be doing something else, but they're there fighting for you. So be sure and pray for them. All right, coming up, the Attorney General is taking emergency actions in the state of Missouri to protect children from the trans agenda. We'll talk about it next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, We are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible. First Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that verse by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with the prayer guide. To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldview's monthly newsletter, visit frc.org slash worldview.
Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose— Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us this Tuesday. All right. Yesterday, Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey issued an emergency regulation against gender transition procedures for minors, noting that many European countries are reversing course on such procedures. Attorney General Bailey announced the emergency regulation will last 30 legislative days or 180 days, whichever is longer. As the number of these experimental procedures skyrocket, could this be a model for other conservative attorney generals to protect minors in their own states until the legislatures can take the appropriate actions? Joining me now to discuss this is the attorney general of the state of Missouri, Andrew Bailey. General Bailey, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you for having me on. So, uh, General, tell us, uh, tell our viewers and listeners about your emergency regulation and the effect that it would have. Well, certainly this is about protecting children for us. And so to that end, we've discovered that at least one clinic here in Missouri is performing uh, transgender procedures on minors without proper informed consent, according to a whistleblower that's come forward. And these are scary allegations. And if even 10 percent of these allegations are true, this is nothing short of child abuse. And the problem is we've asked the clinic to stop and put a moratorium on these procedures while we look into the matter and determine what is and isn't happening. They've refused to do so and claim that they're the only clinic in the state that provides these services. And we know that's patently false. We've discovered online that other uh, clinics across the state of Missouri are doing this. There's a clandestine, shadowy industry for gender mutilation of these young children, and we're going to put a stop to it. And so we've used our authority under consumer protection laws to promulgate this emergency rule, and it's going to require real informed consent and it's going to put certain uh, requirements on these providers that that want to masquerade medicine it's a woke left-wing ideology in the form of medicine and we're going to put a stop to it in, in general in your uh, order and announcing your order you talk about how these are they're experimental uh, we don't know the long-term effects in fact many in the medical field are raising concerns about not just the surgeries but how these drugs are being used misused not according to the label and this is something that needs to be uh, fully investigated before we allow our children to be experimented on. That's absolutely right. Look, the FDA has said that puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones are not approved for these types of uh, procedures and these types of treatments. We know that they cause b blindness. 
uh, brain swelling, that they cause a loss of bone density. And we know for a fact that places like Sweden have said that, that we have to abandon these types of medications and ultimate surgeries because the risks outweigh the benefits. Why aren't we using psychiatry and psychology to talk to children who come into these clinics with mental health problems? Why are we racing to administer drugs and ultimately surgery that has long-term and permanent uh, health consequences? And so that's why this rule is absolutely necessary right now. I'm proud to be leading the nation on this issue because it's about protecting kids for me. And in your order, you also point to the fact that there's a social contagion here that we're talking about. You have this, this huge skyrocketing number of, of kids that are wanting to go down this path. And instead of the, the counseling that you made reference to, that we would see what the underlying issues are, they're immediately shuffled down this path to begin uh, these uh, hormone treatments, or which then become the natural um, precursor to the surgery. So, I mean, this is something that has lifelong implications for these children. You're saying, hey, let, let's just slow this thing down and make sure that everyone knows exactly what they're doing. Yeah, that's that's right. We're going to use every legal mechanism at our disposal to inhibit this kind of experimentation with experimental drugs and experimental procedures that, that is a shadowy clandestine movement to, to mutilate and harm children. And we're going to put a stop to it. We've got to give our General Assembly a time, time to evaluate the situation and enact new statutes, but we're going to use the legal recourse we have available to us today. And part of that is the investigation we've launched into the clinic in St. Louis and marshalling state resources for that effort. But the other part is what we've done this week, which is to promulgate this rule. And we're going to stand by it. It's going to be in effect for, I believe it'll be in effect for, for quite a while. And uh, that'll give the General Assembly time to, to give us some guidance on this issue. But it, it, it's got to happen because we've got to protect children. The eyes of history are upon us and how we're dealing with this issue today. And I'm pr proud to say that the, the state of Missouri is going to lead on this issue. Well, I think you're absolutely right. I think this is one of those things we'll look back on and, and say, how in the world did we let this happen? Now, last time we spoke, General, you uh, had uh, just started an investigation into one of the clinics there in St. Louis. Uh, any additional information that you've uncovered? I mean, it's a multi-agency investigation that's taking place that you're leading. I any new information? Well, two things to point out. Number one, we have a bill moving in the General Assembly that uh, imposes certain restrictions and eliminates a lot of these types of procedures. And it also uh, causes immediate licensure revocation for people who violate the standards put forth in the proposed statute that's in the bill. And I'm really proud to say that that, that bill, it was crafted in response to the work we're doing in that investigation. But I'm also frightened. And I'm frightened for exactly the reason you pointed out in one of your previous questions, which is that as we dug into this issue, we realized that this wasn't isolated. This is happening at clinics across the state of Missouri. And if it's happening in Missouri, it's happening across the United States of America. And so we've got to stand up and get a hold of this issue and add some sanity back into the conversation. At the end of the day, God made man and woman. And I believe that gender is an objective reality defined by biology at your time of birth. And it is unhealthy to deny objective reality in the same way that it's unhealthy to deny the law of gravity, which is also objective reality. And so we're going to stand up and protect kids from uh, parents who want to make harmful decisions or don't have the proper information and make sure that these clinics are, are, are doing their jobs to protect kids and not harm the kids. Well, we certainly appreciate that. Final question for you, General Bailey. You, 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 of course, are taking hits from the left for this. The LGBT advocacy groups say you're threatening the very existence of transgender children. We, we know their rhetoric is over the top. Would you like to see and are you seeing other attorney generals follow your lead on this? 
I think so. I think that the, the conversation nationally on this issue has shifted to a great extent. And I understand that the left is upset about it. They should be. They're more interested in a woke left wing brainwashing ideology than they are in objective reality and in protecting kids. And as a parent who's adopted kids out of the foster system, I know firsthand what it means to protect children. And I'm going to use every recourse I have in law to make sure we do that to protect kids here in the state of Missouri. Well, we're grateful for what you're doing in the state of Missouri and the example that you're providing to other states all across the nation. General Bailey, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, sir. Well, Nebraska is one of those states that's working to protect children, too. But opponents of a bill that would protect children from this type of experimental surgery and drug uh, use to try to transgender them, well, opponents are filibustering the bill. And in fact, going so far as to call those who are supporting these protections as being advocates of genocide and Nazis. We're going to talk with the bill's author next. Don't go away. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you with us. The website is TonyPerkins.com. All right, this week, the Nebraska legislature is expected to vote on LB 574, the Let Them Grow Act. Now, this legislation would protect children in Nebraska by prohibiting puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and gender reassignment surgeries for those younger than 19. Now, this is the exact topic uh, topic we were just discussing with the Attorney General of Missouri. 
Now, debate over this bill began today after an unusual and unprecedented filibuster by one member of the legislature uh, who compared this bill protecting children to genocide. Now, the bill needs 33 votes to proceed on cloture, and the current party split of the Nebraska Senate, which uh, they just have one body there, it's a unicameral, means it would need at least one vote from a Democrat senator. This just underscores that elections matter, especially local elections. So how can citizens of Nebraska, and I know we've got a lot lot of you listening and watching in Nebraska, how can you help? Well, that's what we're going to talk about. Joining me now to discuss this and more is the principal sponsor of LB 574, State Senator Kathleen Kalth. She represents the 31st District of Nebraska. Senator Kalth, welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to see you. Hi there. Thank you so much for having me. Now, it's been a, a, a long road to get to debate over your bill today and, uh, and, and hopefully a vote this week. Did you expect such resistance? We knew it would be very difficult. It's an incredibly emotional um, topic. Everyone believes that they are acting in the best interest of children. We're just looking at it from very different sides. Uh, so we knew it would be very, very difficult. But the rhetoric seems a little intense to accuse those supporting this bill of of, uh, promoting genocide, uh, being Nazis. That seems a bit much. Uh, obnoxious hyperbole to get a lot of national media attention. Um, That's that's how I view it. Um, This has become much more self-serving than I would have hoped for a state legislator uh, dealing with some difficult issues. So this is not happening in a vacuum. I mean, we've got across the nation, um, Mm -hmm. we have 87 bills related to transgender issues moving their way through just this year. So far, we've had, uh, I think, about five of similar bills to yours that have been signed in uh, to law. Um, Well, in total, not just this year, but we've had a number of uh, move through legislative bodies this year. So just for the benefit of our our listeners and viewers, explain exactly what the bill does. So LB 574, Let Them Grow, prohibits puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and gender-altering surgeries on children under age 19. 19 is the age of majority in the state of Nebraska. And what we are trying to do is encourage that psychotherapy, encourage them to work with counselors to figure out what is actually causing the gender dysphoria. Because we know looking at, um, in the European countries, they've done a lot more uh, reliable studies. And what they've shown is that kids who are allowed to do watchful waiting, which is therapy without affirmation, without pushing them into any of the chemicals, they have an 85% desistance rate, which means by the time they get through puberty, they, they're no longer considering themselves uh, trans. And so we want to give these kids every opportunity to let their body grow, to let their brains grow, to let things develop more fully and work through the issues that they're experiencing. A lot of times they have coexisting mental issues uh, like eating disorders, autism, depression that are really complicating what's happening. Yeah, and again, this is not isolated to Nebraska. Other states are moving measures like this too. And I was correct, it's five uh, of these bills that have been signed into law this year. So is the resistance just really among a handful, or do you think you're going to get uh, support from the other side of the aisle on this bill that protects children? 
the the resistance is it is very clearly delineated we do have one democrat senator who um, has been with us from the start uh, this is something he actually is is rock solid on because uh, for him it's this makes sense i mean this is a common sense bill you don't allow children uh, to direct their health care when it's going to involve mutilating their bodies um, changing their their chemistry with hormones and changing it with puberty blockers there's no study that shows exactly what happens and how bad that can be or how good it can be. Uh, so we're relying on unreliable evidence. And right. so we've got one Democrat senator who has come over. We're working on just keeping our coalition really tight. So that that's the reason for the filibuster. They know the votes are there to pass it if they can move it forward. So how they, we've got. Yeah. We've got a lot of listeners and viewers in Nebraska. How can they help? What's the call to action? Well, and this the we our coalition is is looking at some adjustments because some of our coalition uh, members had some concerns. So we may be trying to get to an amendment. Um, if we are able to amend on the floor, uh, we will reduce some of, of what we're asking for. And this is the first step. So we will be coming back next year to introduce it more. I would like to point out that our state board of health issued yesterday a statement about the use of hormonal manipulations and uh, surgeries to alter uh, or to treat gender dysphoria is not recommended in the state of Nebraska. So now our health board is coming on board and saying, this is not good stuff. So what people can do to help, um, pray, call in, uh, call your senators, uh, tell them thank you. Thank you for doing the right thing and supporting it. Let them know how, how much you appreciate them working at this. Um, we have been getting lots of love, but we've also been getting a lot of hate. Oh, so I can imagine. I can imagine. And we'll uh, we'll encourage people to weigh in with uh, with their senators. Senator Kalth, always great to see you. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you so much. All right, folks, stick with us. We're coming back with more Washington Watch right after this. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742 and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. 
with just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND to 67742. That's STAND to 67742. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15-week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. I'm Tony Perkins, and this is Washington Watch, the website TonyPerkins.com. By the way, there are follow-up points at TonyPerkins.com for each of the segments. For instance, uh, Senator Kalth, we were just talking to. If you go to TonyPerkins.com, there's links to... Um, an action alert to show you who to contact if you live in Nebraska so that you can talk to them about this bill, encouraging them to hold the line on protecting minors from this experimental surgery and use of drugs. That's a part of this transgender agenda. So go to TonyPerkins.com. Indications persist that a grand jury in New York is close to indicting former President Donald Trump. This would be unprecedented. Uh, and this could come as poss- it could come as soon as tomorrow. And this is uh, at the behest of a George Soros-backed Manhattan district attorney. The charge would involve a seven-year-old campaign finance violation that legal experts say reveals a clear weaponization of the prosecutor's office to target a political opponent. Republicans in the House of Representatives have already pledged to investigate. But with former President Trump already declared as a candidate for 2024 in the presidential race, you know, what could this mean moving forward? And is this something we're just going to have to learn to live with, that depending on who's in control, they're going to use the levers of government and power against their political opponents? I mean, this is something like what you would read from a third world dictatorship not from a constitutional republic. Well, joining me now to discuss this is Andy McCarthy. He was the former assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York and is a senior fellow now at the National Review Institute. Joins us by phone. Andy, thanks so much for joining us. Tony, thanks for having me. Now, you've written on this topic from a legal perspective. Can you explain to our viewers and listeners, kind of a, give them a quick sketch of the potential charges and how we got here? It looks like from the reporting that what they are focused in, and this is the uh, progressive elected Democratic prosecutor, Alvin Bragg, who's the district attorney of Manhattan, what they're homed in on is 
the non-disclosure arrangement that Trump arrived at with a woman named Stephanie Clifford, who is a pornographic uh, actress who goes by the name of Stormy Daniels. It's important to note, Tony, that whether uh, there was an escapade between the two of them or not is not really relevant uh, to the case. It's not in any way decisive because what's at issue is there was $130,000 which was given to uh, to Stephanie Clifford in connection with this non-disclosure arrangement. And the issue is how the Trump organization and Trump himself recorded or booked the uh, reimbursement of Michael Cohen, who was the lawyer who paid this 130000 on behalf of Trump, how they booked the reimbursement. And basically, they're looking at what they call uh, false reporting of business records. And that's a misdemeanor in New York. Basically, they're saying that this was a loan that Trump reimbursed and that was accrued in 2016 and that the business records of Trump and his organization uh, reflect that it, it, this payment as if it was uh, ongoing legal fees that were paid over 12 months in 2017. So that's the falsity. So, so let me ask you this question. Uh, this district attorney, Bragg, I mean, is this guy a tough on crime? I mean, is this the kind of stuff he's got? To, he's so aggressive on crime that he's digging into people's uh, books to go after them? No, he's the opposite of tough on crime. He's one of these um, classic progressive prosecutors who's actually anti-prosecution in orientation. But, you know, I, I would say two things. First, uh, it's the history of the uh, progressive movement, particularly in its, uh, you know, late 20th century uh, and early 21st century ascendancy and iteration that it uses uh Basically, it uses the levers of power as a penalty uh, and uses processors in a processes in a punitive way. That's that's sort of how it operates, and we've seen it in a bunch of different uh, scenarios. And secondly, unlike prosecutors in the federal government, prosecutors in the state government, district attorneys, and also even state attorneys general, are elected officials. They are not appointed and they're not vetted by the Senate to make sure that they won't use their powers. Uh, in a partisan way. So I think it's better to look at Alvin Bragg as an elected progressive Democrat in Manhattan than it is to look at him as a law enforcement official. His actions make much more sense if you see him that way. So, so Andy, I know you're a law and order guy like me, former police officer. You were an assistant U.S. attorney. We understand this thing doesn't work unless we have law and order. So I don't make, you know, I does it make me the best radio talk show host because I'm, I don't make wild claims. I'm very measured in what I say. But I, I can't see this any other way than being politically motivated. Am I correct or am I wrong? You're correct. And this is the easiest way, I think, Tony, to explain this to people, at least that I've found, which is that anybody else other than Donald Trump would never be charged with this in Manhattan. Uh, the pattern of... Uh, Alvin Bragg, as long as he's been the district attorney, has actually been the opposite of that. It's, it's to take actual real criminal activity by hardened defenders and uh, basically deflate it from serious felonies down to misdemeanors or even not pursue it at all. Here, in Trump's case, he's taking something that's a trivial, stale uh, misdemeanor at best, 
and whether it's actually whether he's got the proof of that remains to be seen. And he's trying to inflate it into a felony that could result in a four-year prison sentence. So the only way you can explain this is politics. In my opening remarks, I, I said I'm very concerned about these things that we see happening, how we even now have this select committee that is looking at the weaponization of our government. And I support it because we need it, because it's happening. We see it with the IRS. We've seen it with the IRS for a long time. We've seen it with the Department of Justice. Now we're seeing it kind of spread across the country. I mean, does this not concern you, Andy, that we could be moving to, I mean, a banana republic? I am concerned because when I talk to people around the country, Tony, about law enforcement and national security, what has people on fire is the sense that we have a two-tiered justice system where the quality of justice a person gets depends on what their political affiliation is, their partisan affiliation, their ideological uh, mindset. Uh, that seems to be more important than actual behavior to a lot of people. And I think the, the notion, and it's got to be more than a notion, it's got to be a reality, that we have equal protection under the law is critical to maintaining the rule of law, and we can't have a flourishing society without the rule of law. So I think, you know, the legitimacy of the criminal justice system in the eyes of the public depends on what they're eroding right now, which is the idea that all of us are treated the same so, before the law. So you, as you just pointed out, if this was someone else, this wouldn't be happening. So is the Correct. former president being deprived of equal protection under the law? I think he is, and I think he's going to have, it's, it's unusual, uh, you know, you have a law enforcement background. I have a law enforcement background. We know how infrequently uh, when people claim that they've been selectively prosecuted, we know how infrequently uh, courts entertain that or, or uh, indulge it. Uh, I think here he's, this is the unusual case where he may have a very serious selective prosecution claim. But now you, in your article, that folks, you can see it. You go to TonyPerkins.com. It's uh, National Review Online as well. You maintain that even though this charge is flimsy and, you know, probably is not going to hold up, prosecutors in other jurisdictions are lining up as as well to come after the former president. I mean, this, this seems like just pouncing on this guy, using him as a, uh, you know, I mean, it's almost a scalp for the left so that they can say to any other conservative who would dare challenge their world that we're coming for you too. You know, I, I think the fact that they're going with this case first really undermines everything else that they may do because the other cases that, that, that you mentioned actually involve behavior that I think is far more serious than what's in the Manhattan case. But I think people are going to form exactly the impression that you've just articulated, which is that this is really a witch hunt to go after one guy and get him on whatever you can get him on. Uh, and it's going to undermine the seriousness of these other cases, if there is any seriousness behind them. And, and that's not good either, because if, 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 if criminal uh, illegal activity was conducted, no matter who did it, I mean, I think you and I both would want to make sure that it is rightfully prosecuted. And, and right. I just think this makes th this this undermines everyone's confidence in our justice system. I couldn't agree more. I can only hope that uh, the fact that there's been delay here um, maybe suggests that Bragg is uh, rethinking his position. But he seems to be doing all of the things that you would do, Tony, if you were 
uh, a prosecutor who was winding up a grand jury investigation and, and getting ready to vote an indictment. I hope I'm wrong about that, but I, I'm afraid not. Well, I think we'll find out uh, very soon. Andy McCarthy, always great to see you and talk with you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Tony. Well, folks, I, I mean, I'm th- this whole thing. I think is actually in part being fueled by the media. The media is a part of it. You've got these Soros-funded uh, prosecutors that are soft on crime, but they're using their offices to target political opponents. And let me be very clear. I, from day one, I've never supported the president in, former president in behavior that was wrong. Uh, I was not an early supporter of the president last time. I talked about that many times in this program. I was with uh, Senator Ted Cruz, and it was only when it was down to two people, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, that I began the conversations with Donald Trump. And I will tell you, he was an amazing president for four years. He did more in taking on the left than any other president we've had. Now, that said, he has been treated unlike any other president. I mean, you, you, you read the media. Today, there was an AP story that is so biased in the way they report on the president. I'll just read the opening paragraph. From the moment he rode down the Trump Tower escalator to announce his first presidential campaign, a searing question has hung over the Republican Party. Is this the moment to break from Donald Trump? People weren't asking themselves that question when he announced for president. This is a a question the media is asking. It's just like I was talking about earlier today. This, there, there. In fact, if you read the uh, the reports out of the issues conference, issues retreat in Orlando, they're saying this dominated. It only dominated because the press focused on it and asked members of Congress about it every chance they got. This was not what they were focused on. This is what the media is focused on. The media is focused on attacking, maligning Donald Trump. They've been doing that from day one. I don't, hear me, I do not support his behavior that is uh, outside of what is appropriate. And I wish he would stop, and I've communicated this, attacking other Republicans like Ron DeSantis, who I think is doing a a, a remarkable job in the state of Florida. And, And I don't think we need to attack other Republicans that are fighting this fight. Now, I do think the left in attacking President Trump is eliciting a lot of support for the president. And it it is going to backfire on the media because every time they attack President Trump with these biased reports, you know, calling, you know, when he raises issues about the election, you know, false claims that there was, that there were election irregularities. They're, they're pre, they've always prejudged this president on those issues. But you never hear about the Democrats who challenged his election in 2016, the Electoral College. They're, they're not uh, forever held to that, even though their claims have been proven false over and over. The media is so biased. And I'm just saying that while I don't support everything that President Trump is doing, and I would like to see some others emerge that have the same strong backbone and willing to fight and policy ideas and a, and a vision for the future that would maybe become the torchbearer for the GOP in this next presidential election. But I will tell you this, 
if the media continues to attack Donald Trump and you have this weaponization of government at every level going after him, you're going to end up bringing an army behind him because these are the same people. And I put myself in this category. We're the ones that are attacked by our own government. We're attacked by the media. We have engaged in in, in trying to, uh, we've been the target of this hostility for years. That's why people coalesced around Donald Trump in 2016. And it's why it'll happen again if the media and the government entities that are lined up against him continue in this unjust persecution of Donald Trump. Again, I know he's got his issues, and I wish he would get those issues straight. I'm not, uh, you know, we don't endorse candidates here on Washington Watch. The Family Research Council does not endorse candidates. And so this is not in any form or fashion an endorsement at all. It's just a statement of fact that as Donald Trump is attacked, do not be surprised if you see people lining up behind him who have been attacked by the same entities. They've been maligned by the media. Their values have been marginalized. They've been ridiculed. And they've had enough. I think they're making a huge mistake by doing what they are to Donald Trump. All right, folks. That's all the time we have for today. But Lord willing, there will be tomorrow, and I'll be back, and we'll have more to talk about. In the meantime, be sure and visit TonyPerkins.com. If you live in the state of Nebraska, help us there. Weigh in. And if you live in Missouri, I know we've got a lot of folks in Missouri, thank your Attorney General for defending children here in Missouri. Until next time, I leave you with the words of the Apostle Paul, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 